Hi, everybody. Uh, Duncan Fletcher here uh, on behalf of PADS. we got another PADS podcast coming at you. I'm here with my colleague, Stephanie Thorburn. How you doing, Steph? Doing well. Excited to be here and excited for our special guest today. Phenomenal. Well, our guest today is a former Division I player uh, for the Michigan Wolverines in basketball. He uh, is currently an assistant GM for the Atlanta Dream, has coached NCAA at multiple levels. Super happy to have uh, Darius Taylor with us today. Welcome, Darius. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to be here. So looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. Well, it's great to, it's great to bring you into the pads. I know uh, this isn't necessarily uh, foreign to you. I think back in the day, you participated in a summit, if I'm not mista- uh, mistaken. Uh, and you've worked in athlete development at the NBA. Maybe, maybe that's a good jumping off point. Um, how did you end up getting into athlete development at the NBA back in the day? How'd that happen for you? Yeah, so, um, you know, before jumping into coaching, I was working for USA Basketball. And so USA Basketball kind of touches, you know, all three levels, high school, college, and pro. So during my time with USA Basketball, whenever we would, you know, um, work with different organizations, I always – I took it upon myself to get to know people and also just kind of find out what other people were doing. Because at the time, um, I didn't know that, uh, you know, at at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to be a coach or so I was really kind of exploring at the time. And so while I was working for USA Basketball, I, I met Kevin Carr. And so I met Kevin Carr when I stopped by the NBA office. We hit it off, had some good conversation. Um, and so as I got into coaching, I always kind of stayed in touch with him. And, you know, he, we kind of talked about, you know, what each other were doing. And it was very intriguing to me because I could, you know, from a a former player standpoint, I saw, you know, now some of my teammates were older. Some of them, some of them were successful. Some of them were not. And I knew the reasons why. I mean, because you could see it in college. Like, you know, some people were prepared. And some just weren't. Um, And so, you know, I always had an intriguing interest on what else could I do to be better at helping some of my former uh, teammates and just uh, athletes in general. And so my interest spun from that. And then when Kevin said he had, you know, I don't know if you want to get out of coaching, but, you know, I had an opportunity where, you know, we're going to hire a position and I would love to, you know, you know, interview you and bring you on board. And so it was a hard decision because, I mean, I had been coaching for four years at, the, at Temple University with Dawn Staley and our staff, and we had been pretty successful, had won the Atlantic 10. Um, I think three out of the four years I was there. And so to leave that success and going to the tournament was a tough decision, but also I was intrigued by working for the NBA. It was always a dream and goal of mine. And then there was the you know, just the the servant side of me that wanted to be able to address some issues that I saw uh, that was occurring with athletes and professional athletes specifically. And out of curiosity, as you sort of entered into that NBA realm, obviously coming from a coaching background initially, what were you able to bring from your coaching and playing that really helped you apply uh, and be successful within the construct of working within the NBA environment? Because if I'm not mistaken, you, you were doing a lot of work at the time with what was the D-League. Yeah. How did that help you as you were making that transition into that NBA gig? 
Well, you know, first, I think as an athlete and a coach, you know, there's a competitive side of you. So always, you know, there was some doubt that I could do the job because, um, you know, one coming, you know, from coaching to fast paced New York, but also just, you know, even though I'm from the Midwest, I speak slower. So there can be some assumptions that that are made because you talk slow or you, you know, you really articulate yourself in a in a different way than most people are used to. I think also the um, just the relationship piece, you know, being able to bridge the gap and kind of see, um, you know, kind of see it through everybody else's eyes. You know, so I can see it from a coach's lens, from a player's lens, and then also learning the business from from the business and front office side. So I brought a different perspective where I could kind of bridge the gap and merge all three of those areas together. And then just, um, you know, the, the other thing I would say is just the, um, so bridging it, you know, bridging the gap, the competitiveness, and, and just, you know, just being a sponge, you know, being a sponge, wanting to, wanting to learn and wanting to be better and, and being passionate about that. And so as you actually began the process of working within that environment and, and working with athletes that are, were in the D-League, what, what, what part of that process did you enjoy the most? And what surprised you about working with those aspiring professionals that were looking to make that jump to the next level? Hmm. Um, one thing that, that I enjoyed the most was just seeing the success stories of players. You know, you know a lot of times as, as athletes, your ultimate goal is to be a professional. You know, if you play basketball, on the women's side, you want to be in the WNBA. On the men's side, you want to be in the NBA. So seeing them reach their goals, but also understanding that, you know, they're more than an athlete. So, you know, and um, you can win, you know, on and off the court. You know, a lot of times guys at that level are either uh, really compartmentalized and focus on one thing and don't think if they give anything else their attention, it's going to take away from their ultimate goal. Uh, but also, um, you know, just seeing that, uh, you know, so that part, but also seeing them get get the uh, the part about, you know, the off the court development, how important it was and how important it was to, uh, you know, to be able to to be successful off the court, because a lot of a lot of things you do off the court affects you on the court. So helping them understand that. Uh, but it, it was really uh, fulfilling to see guys, you know, get those call ups, get to the next level. And to be successful off the court, you know, and some of the programming that we put together that we felt like not only helped them, you know, with their game, but helped them with the game of life. Like you'll you'll be able to transfer this after basketball when you're done. So helping them understand that. That actually leads me to a question. So your transition from player to coach to athlete development specialist to coach again um, to, to assistant GM when you went back to coaching after working at the NBA, was your approach different than it was prior to? Absolutely. You know, I think that, you know, so as you get older, you get a little more uh, separated from the trends and, and certainly, you know, you're talking about, you know, different, you know, generations now. So, uh, working at the NBA, really trying to, you know, understand and get to know this younger generation and the things that move them, that motivate them and kind of, you know, the technology era. Um, I, I think that it helped me when I went back into coaching just to, you know, to understand that some of the things that we did 
when I was, you know, first got into coaching were antiquated. Like, you know, you couldn't have four hour practice anymore. You couldn't um, just have the players focus on basketball. Cause I think a lot of this, this uh, new era and age of athlete is um, they're just more in tune with other things going in, whether it be, you know, social justice, whether it be um, their platform, their marketing, their branding. So really understanding, respecting them, not just as an athlete, but what they want to do off the court and and trying to be able to tap into those areas. And, and one, just get them to understand that, you know, we care about the whole person. We don't just care about what you can do for our organization as a player, but how can we help you? How can we have a real true partnership where, you know, we're helping you fulfill your goals and you're helping us as an organization or as a coach fulfill our ultimate goals, which is, you know, to be a you know, team player. And so I think, you know, just learning and, and being in those diff- different stages, um, I just learned that there, there was just a certain way to do things, like to, to be, you know, to respect the athlete and their views and, and really take in like what they're saying, because ultimately, you know, the, they have to execute what you're trying to get them to do. So if you don't have buy-in from them, then, you know, you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. And, and that really shows the evolution of sport. And, and for those of us that have been in this field of athlete development for a long time, we've seen an evolution and um, in, a, in a positive way where there was, there was no acceptance or buy-in from the front office or the coaches. So to hear a coach saying, you know, we're trying to support the, the total person. It's not just about the X's and O's. Um, shows how far this field has come, and it's reassuring to hear those things. Absolutely. Kind of in that same vein, and you kind of touched on it, which I think is really fascinating, is you talk about you know um, coming into athlete development from coaching, like it's a competitive nature, and you're trying to drive performance, and you kind of get a little bit of a, a different perspective in that you're trying to, create these positive outcome for athletes using, I guess, for lack of a better term, sort of non-traditional means, more traditional athlete development uh, resources and services to help them off the court. And then when you go back into coaching again, it's sort of this understanding that you kind of touched on is that, hey, what's happening off the court is going to drive performance on it. And how, I'm guessing, really curious is, is how is that really, has that completely, well, I don't want to say completely, but is that fundamentally shift shifted how you approach coaching and the development of athletes in general in order to get the best performance out of those athletes? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, again, I, you, you have to change with the times and I, I think you have to, you know, we have the technology resources and knowledge now that, you know, there's more to it than just, you know, putting the best athlete out there or the strongest athlete or the, the you know, there, there are a lot of things that go into making up a great player, you know, from the mind to the body. And then also just to, you know, I call it the spirit, you know, just making sure that all of those things are aligned. And so, um, you know, we have the you know data and resources now to, you know, look at, of course, the tangible stuff, statistics and everything else. But now it's doing a better job of getting to know your, your players on another level, you know, mentally. What are the things that motivate them? Uh, what are the things that drive them? Um, how competitive are they? Because, I mean, you you can have a lot of athletes that pass the eye test, right? And they, you know, they check all those boxes. But if the other stuff isn't right, you know, they're never going to pan out or reach their potential. And so really understanding that, you know, they're, you know, a lot of us are superstars in the, in the waiting. And so what is it that's going to push them over the top? You know, is that 
mental health um, and mind health uh, support and resources? You know, is that, um, you know, making them, again, feel like they're more than an athlete? What are, what are we, you know, again, we want you to play well and we want to win and, and all of that. But we also, we want to make sure you feel like you're winning, you know, and you're not, you're not just a, a, a you know, body. You know, you're, you're a person of us that we care about and we want to see you be successful and do well on and off the court. Out of curiosity, Darius, do you think that that shift that you're talking about, again, that sort of more holistic, that broader view of the athlete, do you think that is now common in professional sport? Because obviously that's the environment you're in now. Is it still, is sport still catching up to that viewpoint? What's your perspective now on how, particularly at the professional level, Mm -hmm. athletes are viewed and are we still behind the times? Are we catching up? I'm just curious as to get your thoughts as to where you think we're at. Uh, I, I think league, different leagues are at different places. You know, obviously, I think that the NBA and the WNBA do a good job of being at the forefront a lot of times of, um, you know, just, you know, being innovative and allowing their players to have a voice and listening to their players. You can see it, uh, for example, on the NBA level, just all the different things that are going on with with players and what are they, they're doing to partner and branch out and um, be more than an athlete and the support that comes from both leagues. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, again, we're at the forefront, but I think a lot of people are recognizing and, and trending towards that way. And it's just going to take time. You know, I don't, I don't know about, you know, some of the other leagues, but I feel like the NBA and the WNBA uh, do a really good job of really giving one, their athletes a voice, but also standing by and supporting them in, in different en- endeavors and understanding, you know, how important those other aspects are uh, in, in their lives. I was just going to say, um, you know, with your role as as the assistant GM now, what are your goals as you're rebuilding the team for the next year? What are you hoping to do, especially based on all your experiences? I'm sure that that kind of goes into your thinking. Um, but what are your goals for this year for the team that you hope to achieve? Besides winning, of course. But. Right, right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I, you I always think... want to get the W's, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have those, right? <laughs> You know, I think one is just, uh, you know, regaining the, the trust and respect uh, from the league. Um, I, I think that, you know, some things happened last year that didn't show us in the best light. So, you know, one of the things is just changing the culture of our organization um, and our team. And then also, you know, we want to be the model uh, franchise, not just in the WNBA, but in sports. So a lot of the resources uh, that we're putting uh, towards the team are going to show that, you know, trying to, you know, put together, you know, a player development program where we're really addressing some of those issues and some of those interests of our players. So, so, you know, team player survey, what are some of the things you're interested in career wise? Um, you know, what are some things we can help you guys with what we can address? You know, obviously I think that, you know, there's an assumption um, with the W that a lot of players have it all together. They all have their degrees. But, you know, they still have some of the same issues that we see on with professional athletes on the men's side, whether it be, you know, just financial literacy, whether it be, um, you know, not not a lot of them have job experience. So what, what's your next career? Um, you know, just different things like that. Social media and media training, especially in this day and age. I mean, you're, you know, one tweet away from changing the course of your life sometimes, you know, or one YouTube or 
video away from doing something yeah. that could, you know, damage your brand or anything like that. So just really helping them focus in on what it means to be a, a professional um, and, you know, understanding, you know, they are a brand essentially uh, within a brand. And then again, trying to tackle those issues and address, uh, you know, give them resources to help them be successful on and off the court. Quick follow-up question, kind of in that same vein, Darius, is as when you start looking at uh, how you service professional athletes, do you think that there is uh, the perception that there's less of an obligation to assist the pros versus, say, a collegiate athlete? Um, how do you look at that? And again, now as an assistant GM, where you know your career is probably directly tied to the amount of W's you're going to put up, how, mm. how do you how do you feel that those two things intertwine? In that the idea that hey, we have to care about the broader athlete, and then we dive the W's. And we kind of already talked about that. I'm just curious, how do you manage that um, at the pro level, where ultimately, if your team doesn't perform, you know, there's going to be consequences both for the players and obviously for yourself, right? Well, no, I, I mean, it, it's it's a hard challenge. I, I think, you know, the, the first thing is having support and buy-in from your ownership, which is one thing I think we do have. It's, you know, setting kind of realistic expectations, you know, like this isn't going to be a quick turnaround. And also, you know, we don't want to just go grab talent and try to put it together because it's got to be the right coach. It's got to be the right fit. And so, you know, I think, when you approach it that way, you know, people understand um, and there's clear, concise um, kind of expectations. Uh, but also, you know, it is a business and it, it, we are in the business of winning as well. So being able to intertwine those are important. So understanding, you know, what makes sense from a culture standpoint versus what makes sense from a future and organization standpoint and just trying to mix those in. And I think some of that is uh, analytically driven and some of that is driven just from the again the relationships and the intel and all the information you you gather that best fits your team you know some of the things you you know you have to really think about doing you know you make understand the makeup on your team you know doing a disc assessment on your team to see you know how it all fits and how the puzzle fits together so i think those are all uh you know things we will consider and uh, view as important as we try to you know kind of win with culture from I, go ahead Steph I was gonna say I have a question you know now that that you're sitting in this seat for individuals that are part of pads that don't have the support of their coach or their GM or the front office any suggestions of conversation starters or things that those individuals in the space of athlete development um, player development player engagement, can um, kind of engage in conversation with someone in your shoes that like you get it, but they don't get it. And so they're mm -hmm. kind of pushed mm -hmm. against a wall. How can they break through that barrier? You know, I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of evidence is right in front of you. You know, when you look at, you know, let's just go NBA, you know, you know and you'll see a lot of these guys are, are, are talented and are good enough to play in the league. And then, you see some of the issues that some of the players have, and it can all be traced back to not having the right support. A lot of times it can be traced back to not having the right support and resources and, and really just getting them to understand, again, 
my motto is, you know, once what's inside has to be right for good to come out, you know? So if you're not right on the inside, then what, what can you expect to come out? Like eventually it, you know, they, they can hide it for a little bit, but you are who you are. It's going to come out at some point. And you've seen it time and time again in the league. There's so many stories that they can refer to about great play, players or talented players that have just, you know, made, you know, some big mistakes or just been, you know, they've had so much going on around them that they couldn't really focus in on, um, you know, on their sport. And so that's one thing, too. I think there are some tremendous good stories that they can refer to in terms of players and resources that they they got that helped them not only advance their career, but help them, you know, off the court. And there, again, there are so many guys that are doing stuff uh, right now, especially in the NBA space, from the tech world to, um, you know, just social justice and f- philanthropic stuff that, again, I, I think, you know, if you can help them understand the value of that, even from a culture standpoint and an organization standpoint, that people want to support and get behind, of course, winners, but also people that are winners off the court and off the field as well and are having success, some success. And, you know, the um, I think the sky's the limit for the value you can bring in your organization with things that you do to bring them closer to the community and, and get behind, you know, different causes and things like that. One of the things that you uh, have in your bio, uh, Darius, I think is really quite cool. You call yourself a jack of all trades, but a master of one. And the one that you refer to is relationships. I'd love for you to kind of expound on that a little bit more as to why you use that, that turn of phrase. Is I think it's really quite cool. And I think it's particularly relevant to, to athlete development specialists. But mm-hmm. I'm curious to get your thoughts as to why you, why you use that turn of phrase. Um, you know, one, as a, you know, as an athlete, um, you know, a former athlete, I say, but still an athlete. You, you know, you learn how to, you know, play different roles. You learn how to be a great teammate. You learn these soft skills and these transferable skills that a lot of people that don't play sports um, don't get. Uh, and then also uh, just one thing that my mom, who was an educator, embedded in me a long time ago when I was in high school, and she always talked about networking. Always talked about network. She always talked about treating people right and doing things the right way. And, you know, through through both of those, I've been able to really be good at um, relationship building and keeping relationships and following up with people. Like almost every job I've had, I've never really truly interviewed for. Like I had the job before I got there and that was all built off relationships and being able to you know, a lot of people think networking and relationships is asking people for stuff, helping them understand, like, sometimes you got to be able to give. Sometimes it's just, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing or how can I help you? You know, so when I was at USA Basketball, you know, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I applied, you know, for a lot of jobs, sent out a lot of cover letters. And a lot of these people didn't know me other than, you know, me sending out, hey, who are the best players in the country or who are some people we should think about inviting to youth development festival or, and things like that. But then, you know, obviously when they came to campus or I got the opportunity to travel with them, you know, I let them see who I was, you know, I, I spent time with them, got to know them. I asked questions, I offered, you know, whatever I could do, you know, if that was, 
whether that was going to wash clothes at night or going to get them telephone cards, because back then we didn't have the international cell phones that we have today. Um, so really like, you know, being able to do the little grunt work and the little detail work, I think people could see one, my work ethic, but again, it, it also went back to, you know, building those relationships and kind of knowing your personnel, knowing the, the people you're working with. So I carried that with me. And so that that's how I developed my relationship with Dawn Staley while she was playing for the Olympic team and the world championship team with USA basketball. So, you know, she was like, I got your letters. When I have a spot, I'm going to call you. And I'm just like, okay, this is lip service. I was literally on vacation from traveling the whole entire like summer for USA basketball and got a call like, D, I got a spot. This is what it is. This is where it is. You know, if you want it, you it's your, your it's your job. You know, and I was like, okay, I'll be there. You know, sight unseen. I had never been on campus at Philadelphia to, or at to Philly. Um, and so again, it, I I can tell that story over and over. Just how I've, you know, from going there to the NBA, from the NBA uh, back to coaching, and then so forth. Working for Athlife working for um you know the dream and so it's it's been you know I've, I've been lucky to again learn the importance of relationships not burning bridges and and really again learning the true essence of networking is all about you know one who you know but also keeping those relationships going like i could you know still call anybody that I worked with or worked for uh, from years ago, and it's still like I never left. Uh, I think that's a, a really phenomenal point. Um, and we talk about in athlete development how critical it is to be super on point and cognizant of how the approach that you take to building relationships, whether it be with um, as an athlete development specialist, whether it's with your coaches, whether it's how you approach your athletes, whether it's with the medical and training staff, your ability to drive and facilitate relationships only serve or provides you the ability to better serve the athlete at the end of the day and then to better serve the organization. So I think what you just said is, is unbelievably on point and it, it speaks to the power of, of being intentional and conscious about your relationships. Is that mm -hmm. something that you think that athletes, like you said, you think are inherently good as good at that, but obviously you made a decision to work at it. Mm -hmm. What's sort of your feeling on on what could be done by an athlete development specialist to become more effective at how they approach and manage their relationships with others across the board? Because you're in a unique position where you've seen it all. You've been a coach. You've been an athlete development specialist. You're now on the management side. What's kind of your two cents on that? Uh, I mean, I think you have to meet people where they are. I think you have to show people and be vulnerable at times and, and kind of, again, see where they are and, and speak their language. I think also... Um, you know, it's, you know, helping them understand that, you know, you, sometimes you have to, you know, tell people like you, you're bigger than what you think you are. You're not just an athlete, you're a brand, you're a company. So, you know, you, you have to, you know, use analogies and comparisons. Like if you're a brand or what, what other brands would you want to be associated with? If I'm, you know, McDonald's, I don't want to be associated with, uh, you know, like, a little mom and pop store. So helping them understand that, you know, their relationships, like who's in your favorite five, like, you know, so, you know, you know, so helping them understand how important relationships are because 
you know, it can make or break you. You know, if you're around positive people all the time that are going to support you and tell you the truth, it goes a long way versus, you know, being around people that just tell you you're great all the time and only tell you what you want to hear, you know, because that's that's not the right, it's not the information you need. All of us, you know, want people around us that are going to give us, you know, critical, valuable feedback versus, you know, be a yes woman or yes man or, uh, you know, just tell us stuff that's not going to make us better. And And a lot of that too is, you know, having the, the the athletes work on their self-awareness, being more self-aware. Like a lot of players, you'd be surprised. Like they have no zero self-awareness. Like, you know, you could be told they could be totally off. Like, you know, everything is about. And the, the other thing sometimes is it's not anything that they've done. It's all about what somebody's doing to them or what they're not getting the opportunity to do. So I think self-awareness is a really important one, helping athletes. And people in general understand, like, you need to be self-aware. Like, you need to really do a, a, a scouting report on yourself and know what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are, and then add people around you that can help you either get better at those areas and fill those voids. I mean, so I think that's important. Yeah, that's you kind of talked – sorry, Duncan. You kind of talked about this, Darius, about for you what – it, um, it took to to find your way in and be successful. It's about networking, um, building authentic relationships, persistence. So for someone who wants to break into the field of sports, specifically athlete development, what is some food for thought? What are, what's some advice that you would give them um, in 2022 since the the landscape of sport is very different than when we all broke into it? What What advice would you give those individuals? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, there are a couple of paths. I think one is if you weren't, you know, if you're not a former athlete, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, where they enter on the ground um, or entry level positions are, you know, internships, um, especially in, you know, basketball, basketball operations um, in the video department. And now what's becoming really big analytics. So, you know, those are three areas I think you can right away if you're not necessarily free work, but hourly work. Um, people will be more open to taking on uh, uh, new people in their departments that are good people first. I mean, but also that are willing to work because, you know, those are grunt positions that kind of really show your value. And, you know, you spend a lot of time with those people. So you want to make sure you get the right people in those spots and you can, you know, potentially help groom them or help set them up to be able to go elsewhere. Um, so I think, you know, it's still that, that, that old adage of, you know, you gotta, you gotta be willing to, you know, get down and dirty and do some of the grunt work to kind of get your foot in the door. So I think again, you know, even if it's a lot of, you know, game, game day stuff, like people need, you know, game day attendance and people in the arena to rebound and like, you just got to work your way up and then it, it becomes, the interview process, you know, doing job shadowing, doing informational interviews with people as you get to know them. You know, don't come in the door already trying to move. Be where your feet are, but don't come in the door already trying to figure out what your next move is. You can have it in your mind, but you can read people right away. Like this person just got this so they could just get closer to the athletes or they could just get get to this next position. You got to be where your feet are and do a really good job at it. And people will notice you. People will see your work. They'll see your value. Perfect. Thank you.
I think that's a great place to wrap it up. I mean, I think that was an unbelievable, uh, you know, obviously a quick uh, tip of the iceberg examination of kind of what your experiences were, but I think you hit on a couple of key things that are super crucial. So again, on behalf of PADS, uh, Darius, thanks a ton for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Hopefully it helps someone and always willing to help because I, I know how hard it is to get your foot in the door, even for former athletes, you know, and so uh, especially if you didn't play the pro. So I, I really, I really, truly want to help people because I think it's a great field and it doesn't feel like a job. You know, you feel like it's, you know, it's every day you're just doing what you love to do. That's again, the old adage, right? Uh, mm -hmm. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And yeah. uh, again, thanks a ton, Darius. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephanie. And once again, on behalf of PADS, thanks for taking the time to listen. Thank you.